Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we believe that you are really, truly present here with us in the Blessed Sacrament. And we thank you for being here. We thank you for wanting to be here. We thank you for the hope that you have for this time. Please, Lord, increase our faith and increase our hope for what you have in store for us here tonight. Mother Mary, we want to crown you the queen of our time together here as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to start off tonight by reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose which he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confidence of access through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So God has a plan for us, sometimes mysterious, but God has a plan for us, and his plans include hope, a future full of hope, as he told Jeremiah, which I will read to you later. But God wants us to have this hope in him. That's what Paul is driving at here, that the source of our hope is in God. And let's face it, we all need a little bit of hope in our lives. And it's not just that we want or hope that things will get better, but that we have a sense that it all has some purpose, that it's not meaningless. Because then even the difficult things that we go through, our, our challenges, our sufferings, our faults, our failures, they all have some meaning and some purpose. And when we understand that, when we come to appreciate that, well, then we have a lot more hope. And we have a lot more drive and energy 
We have a lot more focus. And that's what Paul is trying to say to us here tonight. Let me repeat that one line here. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So it was through Christ, his son, that he wanted to make all things new, that he wanted to redeem the world, that he wanted to give meaning and purpose to everything, even death, even suffering, even those things that we struggle the most with in our lives. He wanted to give meaning and purpose even to those things. Because now all things, in a sense, serve his purpose. And we look to the cross. And we see that God, our Father, wanted us to be his sons and daughters in his Son. And so he sent his Son to us. Christ, as Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, emptied himself. He emptied himself. He did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Why? So that he could become a servant to us. Because as Jesus said, the Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many for you, for me. Because we were in need of a Savior. We can't forget that. Right? We're all in need of a Savior. We need to be saved. We need to be redeemed. We need to be restored. We need to be healed. We need to be forgiven. We need to be delivered. We need to be freed. You can say that in so many ways. And it's all true. It's all true. On Sunday, I was up here preaching about humility. Humility is the truth, basically. When we are humble, we are in touch with reality. We're in touch with the truth. And the truth is, we all need a Savior. We're all broken. And so, that's not a hopeless thought, though. See, there's the rub, right? I mean, there's the real thing we need to grasp here tonight. Even though we are broken, even though we are in need of redemption, we have a great hope that God wanted to save us so badly that he sent his only son, as it says in John's Gospel, right? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So God is for us. He is for you. He's not against you. But we can't forget the reality of our situation. The reality is we do live in a broken world. The reality is that we are in a battle. We're in a battle of sorts. 
There is an enemy. There is an enemy who rebelled against God. He rebelled against God. Satan rebelled against God. And now he makes it his mission to destroy our lives. But then we also have our own human weakness. And then we have the world around us. So these are the the forces that we rub up against every day that make it challenging to embrace God's plan and, and purpose for our lives and to maintain hope. So tonight I hope I can, <laughs> I hope I can instill some more hope into your life. I hope that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God, can communicate to you His hopes for you. Because God has hopes for you. And it's not that these hopes are dependent on what you do or don't do necessarily. It's not that he hopes that you will be able to do this or to do that. No, that's not exactly it. I mean, it doesn't exclude that necessarily. But God has hopes for this encounter here tonight. God has hopes for you here tonight. He hopes to be able to communicate to you more hope, more love, more fortitude, more wisdom, more understanding, more peace, more mercy, more generosity, more forgiveness. He has more to give each and every one of you. And he hopes that you will be open to that, that you will be receptive to that, that you will be looking for that, that you will even expect him to do that for you. So those are the kinds of hopes that God has. He has hopes for a relationship with you that will be life-giving, that will be transforming. I was talking with someone recently and they were telling me how God sometimes speaks to them through their dreams. And no real big deal, but like they understand, this person understands that when they have this dream that God wants them to pray for that person. So those are just little things, little ways that God depends, so to speak, on us. That he hopes that, yes, we will answer his call. He hopes that we will follow his lead. He hopes that we will listen to his voice. He hopes that we will spend time with him just Not because he needs it, but because he knows we need it. Because then he can restore us. He hopes to restore you tonight in a greater way, in a more abundant way. He hopes to set you free here tonight. He hopes to heal you here tonight. All we got to do is ask 
and, and be open to that, to be receptive to that, to realize that, Lord, I do need you. Lord, I want you. Lord, I want to be wanted. I want to know that I'm wanted. Maybe that's what you need tonight. And God wants you to know that you are wanted. God wants to be your father. You ever think of that? God has committed himself to you. God wants to be your father. Jesus wants to be your savior. The Holy Spirit wants to be the sweet guest of your soul. And they hope to give you all of the good gifts that they have in store for you. They hope that you will be open to that. I have another scripture I wanted to share with you from 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which though perishable is tested by fire, may redound to praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So by his great mercy, we have been born anew, born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. Jesus Christ is our living hope. I have a song that sings that tonight. What does that mean? That means that our hope is not something stagnant. It's not dead. It's not in the past. It's not something in the past that we're, it's like not some nostalgic thing that we're reaching for. Oh, but it's living and active. It's dynamic. It's self-giving. It's loving and living. And it's something for us to take and to claim for ourselves through faith. Through faith. God wants us to claim these things for ourselves. He wants us to claim this hope. He wants us to claim this victory. He wants us to claim our identity in Him. I was reading something this week and praying with it. It definitely touched my heart. And the author was speaking about the fear of losing your identity. The fear of losing your identity. 
How often have we feared the loss of our identity as sons and daughters? Think about it. Every time things got uneasy at home, the devil tries to undermine your identity as a son, as a daughter of your parents. And as sin creeps into your life, or as you are used or abused or left out, the enemy is the, the, the father of lies, is trying to convince you that you don't belong, that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy, that there's something wrong with you, that you deserve to be punished. That God doesn't want you. That nobody wants you. That you're all alone. That you have to take care of yourself. Nobody wants to help you. All these lies that lead us to fear because doubt and fear go hand in hand. So the enemy not only sows doubt, but then he instills fear. Fear that we don't belong. Fear that we have or will lose our identity. But the truth is that God will never abandon us. He will never fail us. He will never forsake us. That he has committed himself to be our father forever. It says that of himself in Isaiah, in the book of the prophet Isaiah, that he is father forever. And so we don't have to fear that we will lose our identity because it doesn't depend on us. That's the good news. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend